You're listening to the Hope Chapel podcast. We hope that as you listen, you both find hope for yourself, but also be compelled to bring hope to the world around you. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning. Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Good. So good to see you and so excited to be here. If we have not met or if you don't know me, I am Jamie Bell and I am going to be, I am the downtown location pastor and uh, I'm excited to be a part of this incredible team and excited for what's going to happen in Hope Chapel downtown as we get ready to launch that this fall. Uh, A lot of great things are already happening. We've launched our community group, made a lot of connections and uh, it's a lot of fun. So uh, if you've got questions or would love to know about it or how you can be a part, please let me know. Uh, I love taking people out to coffee or just uh, having a chance to sit down in the lobby and talk, but I would love to share with you what God is doing uh, in our downtown location, and um, I'm just thrilled to be a part of it. Uh, The Flourish Conference that Sarah just talked about was incredible. Um, It was so moving. Um, I got to be here. I was on cameras and just operating, so I got to observe and be a guy in the room. had several ladies. They're just like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I'm serving. I'm helping. Um, But uh, I got to be a part of it, and just so incredible. Um, Just Sarah's word on Friday night was phenomenal, Um, and then many of the speakers just just so incredible. It was so rich and so good. Even a guy got something from it, right? Um, And so it was so good. And uh, just love seeing that happen. Love seeing the life um, of God just move and the power of the Holy Spirit move in the life of this church and in this community. God is using Hope Chapel to make an incredible impact and do some incredible things. And it's wonderful to be a part. Uh, Love and are so appreciative of Pastor Jake and Sarah and their leadership, Uh, both individually. They are some of the most incredible, courageous, bold leaders that I've ever had the opportunity to serve alongside and under. And we are so blessed with our incredible pastors in Sarah and Jake. So can we just give a round of applause and a show of appreciation to them? I know Sarah poured her heart and her life out into this conference um, as she does and as they both do for this church. And so we're so honored and blessed to be a part of that. With that, we've got this sermon series called Canyons that we're in the middle of. And uh, we're walking through Psalm 23 as part of our Lent season as we lead into Easter, we're going to look at the six different sentences of Psalm 23, um, one each week as we kind of make our way into the Easter season. Can you believe that we're almost at Easter? Like it's just that real. I don't know, have you ever heard of girl math? Anybody have ever heard of girl math? You know, it's just like, oh, it's cash. So it doesn't really count because it didn't leave my bank account, you know? Um, or I t- turn this in and I got a refund and so I just spend it again and well, it doesn't count, right? That's, that's girl math. Uh, if you don't know, my daughter will explain it to you. Um, she's really good at it. It's now moved into her timetables. She's just like, February is almost over. And I was like, it is. And she's like, it's gone so fast. And like February is almost over. And really like March is kind of like, it, it's just a quick month. And then like April's gonna come and go because of the Easter. So like, it's pretty much already May. And I was just like, I, just slow down, right? Like just seriously slow down. You know, I think there's some ulterior motives there. She turned 16 this year and she's really ready for her license. So she's like, let's just get to December guys. And I'm like, no, let's just slow down, please. You know, um, but it is, it's moving along so quickly. And as we get into Easter, we're just, uh, anticipating that God's going to do 
amazing things. And, and I'm just telling you, as we continue to go through this series, I know that God's gonna encourage, he's gonna refresh if he hasn't already. Pastor Jake led us last week through the very first uh, sentence in there, which is the Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. And as we looked into that and processed, we just saw that the Lord is a good shepherd. And the good shepherds, shepherds they protect, shepherds provide, and shepherds care for their sheep. David himself is identifying himself as a sheep who needs a shepherd to lead him. And David is acknowledging his frailty and his limitations and his needs. He knows that God has not failed him and will provide for his needs in every single way. This verse told us it is God that led him and caused him to lack nothing. It's God who is our sustainer. It's God who is our provider. And so we looked at this last week that God is our shepherd and in him, we lack nothing. So today we're gonna go into the next sentence and process that. But before we do, if you don't mind, can we pray one more time and uh, just go to the Lord um, before we jump into this message. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and your mercy. God, as always, I'm so humbled to communicate your word. God, let it be through the power of your Holy Spirit. God, may it be your words and not mine, your heart and not mine. May you be seen. God, in your strength and your power alone, may you be glorified. And God, may our hearts, our eyes, our minds, may all of us be turned towards you. In your name we pray, amen and amen. As I was studying and preparing for this message and reading through this verse, I just had this thought that just coming, kept coming into my head. And I was just like, I, I don't know what this means. And so I wrote it down. And even late last night and very early again this morning, I tried to keep changing this to a different point And it just, it wasn't there. And so I just felt like this is something God wants to say to us and it's something that's appropriate, but I'm gonna need you to follow me just for a little bit. And the thought is this, and let's let it sit into our minds and just kind of be in the back of our minds as we go through this message. But the thought is this, is that we were made for abundant gardens. We were made for abundant gardens. I don't know about you, but the hecticness of life, the busyness of life, the pressures of life, the speed of life, and our culture is just getting faster and faster and faster. And we're just moving along at a whole new pace. And as soon as we get something, we want something new. And as soon as something happens, we're ready for the next thing. And it's just, it's a lot and it weighs on us. Anybody feel that? It weighs on us. And the, the ramifications of it culturally, I don't think we have fully felt yet, but we're moving at such a quick pace. And I know there's moments for me, our family, we love to hike, we love to get into nature. And sometimes when you just get into a spot where it's just outside of normal and it's just beautiful and it's just peaceful, it just does something to your soul. It's really hard to find a person, it's really hard to find a person that doesn't enjoy just a beautiful, beautiful, just landscape of nature. We got a picture, we took this picture when we were on a trip up into Quebec 
And we were up in the mountains and just took this. And I'm just telling you, when you're, you're sitting here and you're looking at this picture in real life, I mean, it's just beautiful on screen, but when you're there in real life, it just, it does something to your soul. It's maybe not everybody enjoys the hike to get to that point, right? Maybe not everybody's like, you know, everybody, if you could just drop me off in a helicopter right there and then pick me up, that would be awesome. Maybe you don't enjoy that part, but there's rarely, I, I've rarely found a person that's not like, oh my gosh, that's not beautiful. And, and somehow simultaneously as we, we look at this, the magnitude of it and the beauty of it, somehow at the same exact time, we feel so small and we just realize like the limitations of who we are. We, we see this big world and then it just makes us feel so small, but yet it's so beautiful and peaceful. Have you ever been to a house where somebody takes such incredible care of the yard and they just got a beautiful flower bed and they've set up and here's a, another picture. This is actually my mom's flower bed um, in her last house. Um, I wish you could see it. It's just so beautiful and it just wraps around the whole house and she's got roses and everything. And, you know, um, you just walk around and you just, when you're looking at it, it's just, it's peaceful. Man, it's just like, you know? And you, you, just, you just get to enjoy it and you just walk through. My mom's side of the family, particularly her father, my grandfather, he's always been a gardener. He's always been in gardening. And it's so funny when I had this thought pop into my head this, as we were studying for this, of we were made for abundant gardens. Um, I started thinking of my grandfather and his garden, which is the next picture. And didn't realize that this is actually the week that marks 12 years of his going to be in the presence of the Lord. And my mom, she doesn't even know what I'm speaking on and talking about. And she posted this picture of just remembering her daddy. And this is my grandfather in one of his gardens and my grandfather, when he gardened, like he didn't just have like a few rows of tomatoes and cucumbers, like the man needed a tractor to do his gardens. And, and it was just abundant and just, there was so much. And he loved growing watermelons. And that was like my favorite as a kid, just being able to go out and literally his front yard was this massive garden. And he would grab a watermelon and, and open it up and eat that fresh garden. And he would grow so much food and he didn't sell it at a market or he didn't sell it, you know, anywhere or anything like that. It was just for their family and it was for their friends and it was for their church and it was for their neighbors. And he just provided for anybody and everybody. My mom once they became empty nesters, they got really into gardening as well. And they didn't just have a small little garden either. They had one that was gated and actually had a walkway through it. And this is the picture of my mom's garden here. It's just beautiful, right? I mean, it's so abundant. I mean, she would grow okra and she would grow cucumber. Do you know what okra is in the Midwest? I, I, I don't know if you, you do? Okay, because none of your restaurants have it and I feel really badly for you, right? I feel like you're missing out on some really good stuff. But um, I mean, okra and cucumbers and lettuce and cabbage and all types of peppers. And I mean, it was just so many different types of foods that she would be growing. And, you know, I, I didn't inherit this green thumb. I, I didn't. I, I, I want to, but I can't grow a flower in a pot. I just can't. Like, I can't keep it alive. Uh, if you come to our house, we have all fake th plants from Ikea, right? It's just the way it is. But man, I appreciate these spaces so much. 
And one of the most beautiful things about these spaces as I was there and able to enjoy them and observe them, it's as I watched my grandfather or as I watched my mom or as I watched my dad in their garden spaces, it was like watching a master at their craft. And one of the things that always stood out to me about my grandfather is, is he spent so much time in his garden and he spent so much time in his Bible. His Bible is one of the treasures that I have and I go through and I read his notes and I see how much time he spent in his word and how much time he spent in his garden. And I can remember the thing about my grandfather the most that I loved is he was just a man of peace. He was a man of peace. And when you watched him in his garden, it wasn't just a man out there just making some plants and just kind of rushing through at life. He was just fully himself. And it was beautiful to watch as he was out there and just preparing. My mom would be in the garden. It was like it was a holy space. You watched them just interact with God. It's where they met with God. It's where they talked with God. And it did something to who they are and who they were. And just watching it was something that shaped and changed my view of life and my perspective of life. And the other thing that was so incredible with both of them is true is that the abundant harvest that always came from the gardens, it became a celebration of generosity. It wasn't something they just did for themselves. It wasn't something they just did out of necessity. The abundant harvest became something that was beneficial and fruitful for everybody that knew them and came in contact with them. I know I can hear your thoughts right now and you're like, how does this apply to Psalm 23? How are you going to get from here to there? And I know what you're thinking right now, but what we're going to do each and every week is we're going to read the psalm together. And so in just a minute, we're going to put it on the screen and I want us to read the psalm together. And as we read it, what I want us to do is instead of coming and reading the psalm as we often do, thinking through the lens of our lack or thinking through the lens of the travesties of life and the depth of, of, of sadness and, and, and pain and suffering that we often have to walk through, instead of coming to the psalm thinking about all of those things, can we come to the psalm and read the psalm thinking about the abundance of our good God? And let that, let this image of his beautiful world and let the image of these peaceful gardens, let the image of these abundant gardens, let it fill your minds and bring peace to your heart and your soul. And let that be the imagery that's on your minds as we read the, the psalm. Does that make sense? Is that good? All right, so let's read this together. All right, you ready? You good? You need to clear your throats? Okay, all right, here we go. All right, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Man, as we think through and process this here, David, as he writes this psalm, I think sometimes, ironically, 
we approach a psalm with this mindset and this, this thought of just thinking about of our lack and we're thinking about what we need. We're thinking about our canyon more than we're thinking about the abundance and the goodness of our God. We, we come to the psalm thinking about, man, this, this, this world is heavy and there's a lot that's going on. And there's a place for us to do that. If you read Psalm 22, it's, it's a lament. It's, it's David's processing. He's being honest and he's being real about where he's at. But Psalm 23, there's something different that's happening. It's good and, and right to acknowledge, man, this world, there's, there's a lot of pain and suffering in this world. David himself, he does that in Psalm 63, verse one. He says, my soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. And it could feel that way that as we're walking through this world that, man, there is just nothing that this world has to offer that can actually satisfy us. And we could feel that so deeply. But what David is doing here is something a little bit different. What he's doing here is we have to, what we have to do is set our minds to understand who David is and what David is doing. See, David is not just a fallen king that's in a moment of a, a difficult moment where he's just saying, God, like, I need you and like, I think you can do this. Like David is the chosen king who has an oath with God to be the one whom the eternal king will come through. David, in, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, it says when he was anointed king that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, verse 32, they acknowledge and say that David was a prophet who prophesied about the coming king. Every one in every sixth psalm has a messianic prophecy. David is not just writing and, and processing a random poem. David is actually in this moment being used by God to reflect on his own situation, but to create a prayer, to create a moment that Israel itself will come to over and over again to remind themselves of the promises of God, the faithfulness of God that will keep and sustain them. And David is writing it for us 3,000 years later that each and every one of us, even people that aren't Christians, we come to this psalm and we feel it and it resonates with us and it connects with us. Why? because it's what God is hardwired into us to know and to feel. He's a God who is faithful and then he's a God who is good. And when we come to the Psalm, if we don't take in the magnitude of what's actually happening and what's really in this moment, we can miss the point of the whole thing. See, the book of Psalms itself is a book of poems and the book of Psalms is, is actually a collection of poems that are laid out in a very strategic way that from the beginning to the end, it, very, it tells the very narrative of Scripture. And they were used by the Israelites, they were used by the Jews to take in, especially when they were in exile, to read these Psalms to remind them of what God promised, what God is doing, and what God will do. And David is being used by the Holy Spirit to set these up and to show us that God's presence is the abundant life we are made for. God's presence is the abundant life that we are made for. See, David in this moment, he is going through a hard moment. He's going through a terrible moment. He's going through like the worst moment that you can imagine a person to go through. David in this moment is writing this as he is fleeing from his son who is trying to take over his kingdom. And not only is his son trying to take over his kingdom, his son was the son who killed his other son because that son had an incestuous 
rape of his half-sister, right? And then Absalom, after killing his brother, fled in fear of his father David's response for three years. And David missed him so much and longed for him so much that he brought him back into his kingdom and restored him. And in restoring him, Absalom's response is, I'm gonna take over and turn the entire nation against you. Like, that's a canyon. Like, that's a lot. <laughs> I don't know anybody that's gone through that much stuff, right? Like, ooh, I wouldn't touch that one, right? Like, that's, he's going through a lot. But in this moment, as he's going through and he's processing all this, it's not just a moment where, you know, he's just, he's just going through and just trying to encourage himself. He's helping us to see something and to know something, and he's reminding himself of something that has to be known deep within us. And so then he just jumps to this idea of shepherding. And you're just like, I, I don't understand that one, right? Yeah, I, 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 I don't get that one. But again, if we, if we miss who is writing this and what he's writing this for, we'll miss the whole point of what's actually going on. See, this is not written, the Bible itself, this is a, a great point, I, I think, just to help us to remember and just to remind ourselves. The Bible is not written to us. The Bible is written for us. It's not written to us. And so if we try to approach the Bible and try to apply our cultural context onto the Bible and, and think that it's speaking to us, then we can create some pretty weird ideas, right? And, and people have been very effective at that over the centuries. <laughs> but the Bible wasn't written to us, it was written for us. It was written to a very specific group of people at a very specific time with a very specific understanding of the world. And we have to first understand what their understanding of things were and what he was saying to them so that we can then pull out what God is saying for us, right? And it's so important for us to remember that and to hold on to that. And so what's happening here is David is writing this poem and he's processing out this poem and he's talking about shepherds. It's not David just pulling from his own occupational experience. It's not David's going, oh, I was a shepherd and I know what this looks like. I know what this means, right? There's actually a bigger context that's what's going on here. See, the, the idea of a shepherd and the pattern of a shepherd has been used since the beginning of Israel and it's used all throughout scripture. And Genesis, it says this in Genesis chapter 48 is Jacob is recapping his life on his deathbed. He declares that God has been his shepherd all of his life to this day. In Numbers chapter 27, verse 15 and 17, Moses said to the Lord, may the Lord, the God who gives breath to all living things, appoint someone over this community to go out and come in before them, one who will lead them out and bring them in so the Lord's people will not be like sheep without a shepherd. This is, this is way before David. This is way on in the beginning of what's happening here. You have all of the, the patriarchs of the nation. You have Moses and David themselves. They've been shepherds. And so the idea of shepherd is not just this occupational thing, but the shepherd narrative, the motif of a shepherd has been used all throughout scripture for a very specific reason. See, there's a story, a pattern, an understanding that is being reinforced, reinforced. It isn't about the sheep, but it's about the shepherd's faithful ability to care for the sheep. So when we get to Psalm 23 and David's processing and he's saying, he leads me to the green pastures. 
the language that is there, we can get lost up. We're just like, oh, it's a green field, right? That's like not what David's talking about. When he says the green pastures, the word green that's there, it's actually the new sprigs of grass. It's the fresh grass that has just sprouted and just begin to grow in the springtime, in the seasons after the rain, which is the sheep's favorite grass to eat. And when he uses the word pastures, it's not just a field, but it's a pleasant place. And so when you think about this, the image begins, think about this mountain that we put up there at the very beginning. It's, it's abundant, it's huge, it's massive, it's overwhelming. It's exactly in everything we would hope the world to be. When we look at it, we're just like, it's, it's awesome. I, I mean, he did a good job, right? Like he perfectly designed this. And we look, I don't think I could add to it. Like it's abundant, it's wonderful, it's good. And so when David is saying, he says, the Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. He leads me and he lies me down in the green pastures and leads me to the still waters and refreshes my soul. See, in Hebrew poetry, the first line makes a statement and then the second line reinforces. So when David says, I lack nothing, he's reinforcing, I lack nothing. Why? Because he lays me down in the green pastures. He lays me down in the abundant fields, in the things that my soul wants, the things that my soul needs, the things that I'm created for. It's everywhere. It's abundant. It's all around me. And I just lay down in it still because every need, every want, every hunger, every thirst, it's completely satisfied. And even the things that I crave the most, even though they're all around me, I'm satisfied. It's good. Come on, is that not a beautiful picture to imagine what David is saying in this moment? He's in the worst of the worst and the lowest of the lowest of the most insane situation that anybody can fathom towards their worst enemy. And David's not just going through and saying like, I'm in a canyon. God, you'll make it better. He's like, I'm walking through this, but this is not my reality. My reality is who you are. My reality is what you want. My reality is what you are doing. My reality is your presence. Your presence is the abundant life that I was created for. And this might be where I am, but this is not where I am. I'm in your presence. And what I need and what I hope for and what I long for, it's everywhere. And I don't have to scratch for it. I don't have to hope for it. I don't have to cling and fight and do all these things to say, maybe I can be encouraged. No, all of the encouragement, all of the love, all of the wonder, all of the goodness, all of who he is, it's everywhere. And you lay me down and I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied in who you are. I am satisfied in all that you do. This is who God is, and this is what God is doing. It's an incredible thing to think about in the process. So what's the application? What does this all mean, and what does this look like? So let's go back to my mom's garden. My mom, whenever she would have an overabundance of produce, she would cook a meal. And not just for us, but she would invite people over. My house was just always filled with this people from the church, people from the neighborhood, random people that she just met. I mean, it's nothing to go home for Thanksgiving and be like, I don't know who any of these people are. And she's like, oh, well, I just met them. They're in the grocery store. They just moved here and they don't have family. So they're over, right? 
And she would just fill up her table with all of the produce that she would have and she would cook a meal. And I'm not just talking like, oh, we'd had some you know, meat and potatoes. Like, I mean, she had jalapeno poppers for appetizers, right? And she would brag about how she grows the hottest jalapenos, right? And we would have fried squash and we'd have fried okra and we'd, yeah, we'd fry everything, right? And we'd have fried chicken. When you're in the South, you just fry everything, right? And then if you don't fry it, you cover it in sugar, right? And so... Right, so we'd have like this amazing meal and everybody would eat as much as they possibly could eat. And then when they would leave, she would give them food to take home. And then on top of that, there would be produce that she didn't get to use. And she would give them all of the produce for them to take home their own cucumbers and their own tomatoes and their own stuff so they could do that. This is what it looks like in God's kingdom. This is what it looks like following him and trusting him You don't have to worry about anything. You don't have to think about anything. You are just provided for and you just get to enjoy his goodness. See, our problem isn't a lack of resources, but that we can't trust God as enough. And this is what David is highlighting and illustrating here in this moment. I wish I had the time to get into it, but I don't, but there's a, a tie-in here, and I think there's a strong argument to be made that David's even reflecting and thinking back and going back to the very beginning where God created Adam. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, it says that he created man and he took him and placed him in the garden. He took him in that, and where he says he placed, it actually means he laid him down to rest. And in that spot that David is thinking and reflecting. He's saying, as a human, I'm made to live in his presence. I'm made to know the abundant presence of God. I'm made to experience it, enjoy it, thrive in it, and be present in him at all times and in all things. And what David is reminding us in this moment is you're going to go through canyons. You're going to go through hard moments. You're going to go through moments where you realize and see that it is dry and this world has nothing to offer that will encourage, refresh, or care for your soul. But in God, in Christ, you have everything. And it's not a one day will be, it is now. In Ephesians chapter two, verse six, it says in Christ that we've been raised to life and seated with him, not we will be, you have been raised with Christ and you are seated with him. What it means is, is in large part, his kingdom has already come and the abundant presence of who he is is available to us now. When you're going through the canyon, when you're going through the hard moments, when you're going through the difficult times, it is to know and to realize that his abundant present life is here. And not only is it here, but I can trust him. Come on, the abundance of who he is. I don't have to worry about a thing. It is all around me. I don't have to think about, I don't even have to wonder what it is that I need. He knows and he's provided. It is there. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 10, it says, the Lord is coming with power. He will use his power to rule all people. He will be, he will bring rewards for his people. He will have their payment with him. Like a good shepherd, he takes care of his people. He gathers them like lambs in his arms and he holds them close 
while their mothers walk beside them. In John chapter 10, Jesus continues on this thought and he says in verse nine, I am the gate. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it in its fullness. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. In Revelation chapter seven, verse 17, he says this, it says, for the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. What David is wanting us to see, what the Holy Spirit has placed and spoken through David and what generations for thousands of years have read and heard is what we need to hear and hold on to today is that he provides more than enough. And I can trust him. See, what the enemy wants to do is when you're going through these hard moments, the enemy wants to make you think that you can't trust him. The enemy wants to make you think that there isn't enough. The enemy wants you to live with a mindset that you are lacking. And God, from the very beginning, he created a world and a place for us to rest in his presence. The rest is not just to lay down and sleep. The rest is to know that we don't have to want anything. The rest is to know he's got it all. The rest is to know I can trust him. When it says he refreshes our soul, the word that's refreshed there is the word shuv. And that word is actually to return. It's to return. He creates still waters so that we can just go back and go back and go back and go back. See, if the water's too rapid and the water's too busy, the sheep won't drink, no matter how thirsty they are. Maybe one or two sheep will try, but the water will actually swipe them away because they just can't grasp and concept what's going on. and The rapids will take them away. So often what a shepherd will do is they'll go up to a raging river and they'll dig a trench so that the water can fill in the trench so there can just be a still water so that the sheep can drink. Come on, this is what God has for us. It's abundant. It's peaceful. It's good. You're going to go through hard things. You're going to go through tough things. But in your soul and who you really are, you can be at peace. And you can trust him. When you're going through moments and you're like, God, I don't know how to do this. He will create these still waters so that you can just go and you can just take him in. And he can refresh your soul. And you can be reminded, I can trust him. I have everything I need in him. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to stand to our feet. And I don't know where you are. And I don't know your story. And I don't know the canyon that you might be walking through. I don't know the one that you have just walked through or the one that you might be getting ready to walk through. I don't know any of that. But I know this. I know how faithful God is. And I know how good he is to provide. And I know how wonderful he is to make a place for us, to be able to come in so that we deep within can trust him. And in trusting him, we can say, I will follow you. 
lead me and guide me. So this morning, we're going to get ready to sing a song. And we're going to step into the still waters of the moment. I can't tell you how much I've wrestled, gosh, over this message. God doesn't want you just casually aware of his presence. He doesn't want you just to acknowledge that he's a real living God. He wants you engulfed. He wants you enveloped. He wants you consumed in his presence. He's a holy God. He's a righteous God. He's a terrifying God. He's a good and faithful God. And he wants us to come to him and he honors our decisions. And I'm telling you, I don't know who you are, but God is creating a still space for you this morning that you can just step into his presence. You can trust him. Don't worry about what will be. Don't worry about what it's going to cost you. Don't worry about what it's going to look like. Don't worry about what anybody's going to say. Don't worry about the ramifications. Don't worry. His green pasture, his pleasant place is his presence. And all of that is provided for. All of that is cared for. Can you respond to the still moment? And see the goodness of your Father who wants to lead you into his presence so that your soul can be at rest, so that you can know the abundance of his goodness. So as we sing the song, we're going to start off in just a soft space. I want you to step out and trust I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe that's lifting your hands. You're like, I've never done that. Maybe it's lifting your hands. Maybe it's lifting your voice louder than you can sing because you don't have a great singing voice. Don't ever stand next to me when I'm singing. It's terrible. But he's so good, I can't help it. Maybe that's going to one of these prayer and response stations and just going to somebody and saying, I need to trust him and I don't know how to do it. Will you pray? Maybe you need to come into this space right here and just say, God, I'm present. Meet me in this place. God, I see the still waters of your presence. I just want to come. I want to know you. I want to know you like David know you. God, I, want, I, I knew you. I want to have the heart of who you are, and I want to love you with all of my heart. I'm telling you, God is creating a space for you to do that this morning. Will you step in? Will you trust him? Thank you for listening. For more information, go to visithopechapel.com.